You're listening to Two Girls, One Crossword. How are you supposed to, to joke in a time like this? I, I, got, I have no jokes lined up. Um, I just woke up feeling like I just woke up still. <laughs> well, and yeah. A visual joke is, why does it feel like there's like a tiny, like hooded person in the corner behind you? That scared the crap out of me, but it is my chair of blankets, which is hilarious because I have a chest for my blankets, but the thought the of chair. the thought of folding them and then putting them inside a chest, which you literally just have to lift the lid up and put them inside and then close the lid, and it's right. we use it as our coffee table. That sounds horrible to me. Well, that's the problem with getting using a chest as a coffee table, because then it's like... It's annoying to open because there's stuff on top of it. I know. Right now, I currently have a single cup and a coaster on it. God forbid if I had to remove Mm-mm. those. No, no, no. <laughs> That's why I won't do a chest as a coffee table. It has been brought up as a potential coffee table in my new apartment. And I was like, no. It's no. annoying to I open would, it. Yeah, I would totally say no to that. Like, coffee tables with storage are usable. If the storage is like like drawers drawer. you can pull out. Yeah. Or we don't have, like, a lot of space in our apartment, so we have to, you know, maximize what we can, what we have. Like, we had this chest, and yeah. we weren't using it as a coffee table. And then we were like, we really need something here. <sighs> Whatever. I can't get into the furniture situation in my apartment. Grace <laughs> knows the story well. She's been over many times. I've had many things used as, quote, coffee tables in the past. Sometimes um, no coffee table at all. We had to, like, put our drinks on the white carpet and then be scared for our <laughs> lives if it... God forbid we accidentally knocked it over, which I have done before. <laughs> yeah, which is totally fine. I, you, if you see my white carpet, which used to be gorgeous, and I think it still looks pretty good considering all of the things that have been spilled on there. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, no, we've had many things spilled on that cof- uh, carpet. That's the risk you take. That's why I would it never is. get a white carpet in the in the living room. These are all my you know, rules for living room furniture. <laughs> if you want to know more, ask me. I have plenty of uh, plenty of rules. Plenty we, of. We want to move the rug under the bed and get a new rug. Hmm. Anyway, that's well, that's it and that's all. But yes. Um, this is two girls, one rug. Um, <laughs> we share the rug, actually. Yeah. But she doesn't put it out. She rolls it up, puts it on the wall. Anyway, go ahead. Finish Favorite her opener. weekly uh, Podward rug cast. Uh, so yeah, thanks for tuning in yet again. Um, no new rugs, still the same old rug here. Um, that's about as exciting as our lives have been this week is talking about this rug. Yes, we were before we started recording, we were talking about how well, neither of us really did as many puzzles this week as we normally do because we were both busy for different reasons. Well, we both had people in town, we did, which is fun in a lot of ways, but it's also a lot of work because. Suddenly, you're a tour guide. Suddenly, I don't have time to do, like, two crosswords a day. Yeah, suddenly, people want attention. You have to do things outside of your schedule, which throws me through a whole ringer. Mm -hmm. But we'll do the best that we can. We will do the best that we can. Shall we get into our Polapalooza that I posted late? Yes, let's do the Polapalooza. Speaking of being thrown off. um, Okay, we tweeted, if you get cremated... What do you want to happen to your ashes? Ooh. Because at first I was going to be like, what do you want to happen? Like, what do you want to happen to your body after you die? But then there's so many different choices. So I need to narrow it down even more. So sure, let's sure, sure. say you get cremated. Do you want to be scattered in nature, entombed at a cemetery, on a family mantle, or made into a gemstone? Ooh. And no one voted for on a family mantle. No one vo- voted for made into a gemstone. The second place with 14% of the votes was entombed at a cemetery. And then the winner with 86% of the votes was scattered in nature. So hmm. people have spoken. Okay. What would you pick? I think, well, I want to do like scattered in nature, but send someone on like a treasure hunt type of situation. Mm-hmm. I kind of like the on idea a of a, gemst- a gemstone, honestly. The gemstone is nice. And then you can like pass it, you know. Exactly. And I feel like we were talking during that episode about how it feels like we don't have a lot of um, tradition around death in the West. Mm-hmm. 
in a lot of ways. And like, especially in remembrance of the dead, you know, lots of cultures will celebrate the death anniversary for generations. You know, we don't really have that. Yeah. Um, at least not in like a formal thing that is just expected of you to do. Mm -hmm. um, people visit cemeteries occasionally, that kind of thing. But I'm, I'm looking for ways to make it seem more formal. I don't know what the word is. Official? Yeah. Yeah. I do like the gemstone idea. I'm not sure how, I feel like it's probably really expensive. I don't know anyone who has like an urn on their mantle, but I feel like I've only seen that in movies, but that's kind of a vibe too. But then it's it like is. people always have to take you with them everywhere. And <laughs> that's the issue that we have with, not this is the same at all, but you know, we had our first dog cremated and her ashes are just like sitting in my dad's office. And so now mm -hmm. it's like, they've moved her from Miami to where they, to Memphis now. And it's like, they're just going to have to take her little ashes <laughs> in a box. And it's also, let's be honest. When dogs get cremated, are you really get, like, are you really getting their ashes? I, if anyone knows, I feel like I've asked this before. If anyone has like an insight to this, because I feel like it's probably not as regulated as human cremation. So oh, I yeah. feel like you're just getting a random batch of ashes. Right. I, yeah, that's a great question. I have no, I have no insider info, but I do feel like there's probably some shady shit going on, you know? Some places you're probably getting your dog shit. Not shit. They're ashes. Mm -hmm. um, and in other places you might not be because... It's expensive, too, to get your dog cremated, by the way. I believe it. I believe Add it. Add insult to injury. I, 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 I also know that you can... Um, I saw on TikTok that there's a company run by women where you can... Like, essentially, they turn your body into compost... And then they, you can, like, grow trees with it and shit. Yeah, that's... I wanted to include that in the, like, return to nature. Because, yeah, there, you can, like, make a seed pod, basically, with your yeah. remains and a tree yeah. root thing. Also, you can get turned into, like, um, like, a diamond, which I guess is similar to, like, the gemstone. But, yeah. like... Anyway, anyway. Many things to think about. Hopefully Maybe a long ways bench. away for us. Oh, obviously you don't get buried in the park bench, but like if you're doing like in memory <laughs> yeah. or um, hold on, I forgot. Never mind. Like a brick in Disney. Yeah, something. <laughs> a brick. Something where people it. can. That's the nice part about having a cemetery, like being in the cemeteries that people can go visit. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. But it's like, yeah, you have to go visit the bricks in Disney or whatever. <laughs> To pay your respect, I don't know. <laughs> right, and Disney charges you however much to get in the park. <laughs> exactly. So. Well, lots of things to think about. To go to Disney. Yes. Um, but that's our poll, Palooza. Should we head into our hits and shits for the week? Our hits and shits light? Yes. Well, for me, it's kind of light. It is light for me as well. I did about five puzzles this week, which I think is pretty good considering yeah. everything. The way this, the state of the world the state of my home life with my guests, etc. Um, but I'm only going to be talking about like three puzzles today. Specifically, I wanted to focus on the themes from this week. I feel like there are some really good themed puzzles this week. Mm -hmm. uh, I'll start with the Friday, June 17th New Yorker by Alex Eaton Salners. I feel like we haven't seen Alex Eaton Salners name in a while. In oh, a yeah. For some reason, we think that it's like... There's a mystery. Well, because I feel like I saw that on Crossword Twitter that, like, people don't know who that is. Because I feel yes. like a lot of the constructors all know each other. Yes. No, I think you're exactly right. I feel like Or if it's a pen name. It's, like, Will Schwartz's Ooh. pen name. If anybody has the, the insider scoop, let us know. Not that we'll share it live on air. Or will we? Anyway, Alex mm. did a good theme in The New Yorker uh, on Friday. The theme, the title of the puzzle was Wildlife Funds. Um, and so... All of the themed answers were like a play on words of like real things that could also be animals with money. Anyway, I'll read the answers to you. 17 across. Sticky pull apart pastry. And the answer was monkey bread. Bread being funds like money and mm -hmm. monkey being the wildlife. Uh, 23 across. Swamp plant, plant named for its unpleasant odor. It was skunk cabbage. Cabbage is another word for money. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really liked that because I've never had s or seen skunk cabbage, but I like that name. 
Um, and then 37 across with 39 across, stereotypical doctor's handwriting, and it's chicken scratch. Scratch, mm-hmm. another name for money. This is probably my favorite one. Uh, 48 across, only only NFL team that plays its home games in New York, and the answer was Buffalo Bills. I thought nice. that was fun. Um, and then 49 across, halal breakfast alternative, perhaps, turkey bacon. So some good answers, bacon being. Yes. Money. Money, you know. One of those things that I had never heard for money, the one after cabbage. Scratch? Yeah. Ah. I guess I don't hang out with cool enough people. She's not in the streets trying to get scratch or whatever. (laughs) Is that how you use it in a sentence? That's how I use it in a sentence. (laughs) Okay. Fair enough. Um, I did like, I think I just did the New Yorkers this week. Sometimes when you want a quick hit, you got to do a New Yorker. Yes. I liked the Tuesday, June 21st by Natan Last. Um, 38, no, 34 down. Koala bear and prairie dog for two. It was misnomers because they're not really bears or dogs. Ah, good one. Very good. Um, 37 down, chopped liver entree, question mark. And the answer was, what am I? <laughs> like, what am I, chopped liver? Mm-hmm. Um, 34 across, clue, clue six, question mark. Then I was like, clue six, are they talking about like the number six clue in this crossword? But it was referring to clue the board game and the answer was murder weapons. Because <gasps> there's six murder weapons. Cute. I feel yes. like clue showed up in another puzzle as well. What puzzle was it? Oh, it, it was the Friday, June 24th New Yorker, which I shouldn't have included in my hits and shits, but I did anyway. Sometimes I do if we record on a Friday. I'll, yeah. I'll include a Tuesday. I don't care. Yes. I don't need to follow every rule to the T. Exactly. 65 across from that puzzle. This was by Finn Vigiland. Uh, 1985 cult classic film with the line, husbands should be like Kleenex, soft, strong, and disposable. And the answer was Clue. And I just wanted to put that in there because Grace showed me Clue at the very beginning of the pandemic. Um, and it was great. And I can't believe I'd put off watching it for so long. I know. It's a classic. Mm-hmm. It was free on Amazon when we watched it. It was. What else from that New Yorker did you have? From that specific New Yorker, nothing. But the Wednesday, June 22nd by Paolo Pasco. Ooh, I have to do this one. Tell me. Um, 26 across. Performance style for Manila Luzon and Plastique Tierra. Drag. Drag. I just want to see. Dating, or eight down, dating blank, blank, romantic video game genre for short. It was dating sim. <gasps> Cute. Have you ever done one of those? Not recently. Um, I feel like I always see them on my Instagram, like advertising to me. And it'll be like, what are you going to choose? It's like a lady in bed with her husband and two twin babies. And I'm just like, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> well, what would you do, Grace? I don't know. What are my options? Like, what's, I don't, what's the background question. story? I'm That's already married question. with two kids. I know. I'd rather play the real Sims game and have my Sims date there. Yeah, fair. And but I do like I do like you and I both like those like option based games where we have to pick something and see how it changes things. Not that the dating sim games are in any way advanced, but no, that's the problem. It's like they're so rudimentary. Like I remember. Yeah. One time I fell into this trap. There was like a one of these dumb mobile games where you can like dress someone up and then like design their little mm-hmm. apartment. Mm-hmm. And it reminded me of like, you know, the old games on Nickelodeon. Oh, where yeah. Like pick out outfits. I was like, maybe it's like, you know, gotten better since then. And no, it was like still just. You can't win. Boring we cannot win in this life. I would love to do like a fashion, like actually, though. I know. Like making people dress cute. Even The Sims doesn't have good clothes, so... They don't. You have to do, like, you have to buy all the different expansions, or you've got to do all the the downloadable content that people make for free on The Sims forums. And it's like, I can't get in that deep. I just need to have access to everything. Just sign in and it's there. So you spend more money. Yeah. Um, And in this, I just didn't know what this was. 40 across, wintertime river transport, ice canoe. Ah. Okay. Sounds cold to sit in. It does sound cold. I hate to say that those are my only hits and shits for this week. Sorry, everyone. Oh, that's okay. I have, I've got two more puzzles to round us off. I'll go back to the Friday, June 24th, New Yorker by Finn. 
the theme, you know, I said I was going to talk about some themes this week. The mm. theme from this was lit reviews. I really like uh, this theme. I'll just get right into it. 17 across. Five star review of a ghost costume? Question mark. And the answer is dope sheet. Nice. That was fun. 25 across. Five star review of a cheese plate? Firecrackers. <laughs> Cute. 62 across. Five star review of a handmade sweater? Shout out to Alex. Tight knit. Nice. Um, 16 down. Five star review of a stand up special? Sick jokes. And then 29 down, five-star review of a lecture, Sweet Talk. I love that. I thought it was really fun. Um, it's unique. I, it was. I really liked 35 Across, athlete who has time to spare, question mark, and the answer was bowler, of course. And then last week, I think it was last week, or maybe it was the week before that, I kind of I had a shit about like a, a TikTok-related mm -hmm. question. I just want to point out a well-done TikTok clue and answer. I think okay, this is well done. See. 20 across. What you might learn from a TikTok dance tutorial for short. The answer is choreo. You know, it makes sense. It's real it's yes. specific to the app. Um anyway, so that's a good one. So shout out to Finn. Heard for it here that. first. Yes. Approved. TikTok approved. <laughs> um so then I'm gonna move to the Sunday, June 19th, USA Today by Zhao Sheen Bernical. Before I get into this, I do have one thing to say about the USA Today, and I think it's specifically about the app, something that I find frustrating about the app. I don't often do the puzzles like live the day that they release. Mm -hmm. I have to go into the archive and I do them. But when you go into the archive, there is no way to know who constructed the puzzle. It only says who edited the puzzle. So according to the USA Today app, crossword app, archive eric and amanda are the only people involved in these puzzles and like we know that eric and amanda are editing the puzzles so if i want to find the constructor i have to do like a internet search which is not difficult but just to say it would be really cool if the byline for the constructor was available i wonder is archive. it not written like really tiny under the puzzle not you know, that like i the can New Yorker find sometimes has the stuff underneath i really don't think so i like yeah. went in and you know i'm like uh, the New York Times app, you can click like the I and yeah. like it pops up the information. I know so, they don't have that on the, or at least I've never been able to find that on the USA Today. I always have to like go back to the main screen and then yeah. get a picture. So just if Eric or Amanda happens to be listening to this ex exact moment of our podcast, <laughs> I uh, feel like they don't have any control over what the app looks like though. I feel like Eric has, Eric has written to us uh, and like asked about, oh, you found an error. Can you tell us like, where and how you saw it so we'll see okay. but maybe i should just write to him on twitter who knows it's not that big of a deal but i just wanted to throw it out there that it it adds like five minutes to my research time every week um okay uh again a theme i like this joshin killed it theme seasonal food i just like themes like this i feel like the usa today and the new yorker kind of like have their themes oriented around this sometimes the the new york times themes are a little bit more Complicated and often convoluted. Anyway, the theme from this USA Today puzzle was seasonal food. So the food had seasonal names. That's mm -hmm. basically the theme. 17 across. Gourd used in a Chinese soup. Winter melon. Mm. That was 17 across. Uh, 28 across. They're like scallions, but with a stronger flavor. Spring onions. And 55 across. Zucchini, for example. Summer squash. I just, I like food. People on this yeah. podcast know. And I just thought that was cute. Um... 29 down the blank family and the answer was the proud family did you watch the proud family yes and you know they're I, rebooting it right yes i do know that they're rebooting it and i'm really excited about it Our family that's uh, like one of the best it was ones, i think it was and it was also just a great show shout out to solange um and then 40 across this is just like a conversation point places that sell pasta salads and the answer was delis I feel like when I moved to Chicago, one of the, th the things that I greatly missed from the East Coast was the easy access to delis. And I mean, like, mm -hmm. down the street, every other street corner, there's a deli. I'm sure, like, obviously there's delis in Chicago. That's not like Chicago is deli-less, but there's yeah. not as many as I would think on the East Coast. Where are you supposed to get your pasta salad from? Literally nowhere. There is no pasta salad available to me. I mean, like... After school, we would go to the deli 
and you'd get like a chicken parm sandwich and like your mom be like, pick me up a pound of American cheese, but sliced thick, you mm-hmm. know, and you go to the, they have a huge barrel in the corner and you get your pickles, your full pickles and you could take it. Oh over yes. The we counter. talked about this barrel. Of pick- I didn't grow up with delis in Florida. <laughs> it's so crazy. Um, I, nothing- I don't know what I'm missing, I guess. You don't, but it's like, you like your, not your Jimmy John's. What do you like? You like your Jersey Mike's. My Jersey Mike's. Imagine a Jersey Mike's, right? Where you can get your subs. On every corner. On every corner. But it's not just like subs. They do like hot sandwiches. You can do like. Uh, okay. Jersey Mike's has hot sandwiches too. Okay. FYI. I'm sorry. But like, do you they have like. a Philly cheesesteak there. Can you get like a chicken cutlet sandwich with anything on the top of it? That I don't know. Because I order the same thing every time I go. <laughs> oh, that's crazy. That's crazy. <laughs> anyway. Literally. And I've gone there like a hundred times. That's um, my issue. That's. Yeah. It's fine. Anyway. It's just like a. East Coast thing. I love me a deli. I don't really get delis here, or not in the way that you have on the East Coast. I know. Okay? I'm sorry. It's fine. Just a talking point. Just a fun little chit chat to have here on Two Girls One Crossword. Me <laughs> <No> complaining <laughs> yet again. Um, but that's all that I have this week. All right. Well, shall we flip our coin and get into Ooh. our topics? Let's flip the coin. Okay, everybody. I'm flipping the coin now. <laughs> tails she's back at it i'm back baby my topic comes from the wednesday new yorker by paul pasco june 22nd and it is 57 across on field uniform of a sort is this um a mascot uniform yes mascot suit so this is such a mascot this is such a topic you would do yeah, it was fun. Um, okay, so first, do you have a favorite mascot? Uh, of course, Gritty. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Gritty. Well, that's funny that you mentioned that because Gritty is the first mascot I'm going to talk about because I feel like he is kind of the most famous mascot right now. He is. He so is. if you don't know, Gritty is the mascot of the Philadelphia Flyers, and he has made headlines in the past couple of years. He is seven feet tall. He's orange and hairy. He has a beer gut, a squeaky belly button, and big googly eyes, if that rings a bell for you. You may have seen him at, like, protests. He he was on Jimmy Fallon's show. Like, he's, he's kind of a celebrity. Yeah. But I didn't realize that he is, like, so new. He's brand new. Like, he... The Flyers have not ever had a mascot, and they suddenly no. just introduced him, and he was, like, the weirdest-looking mascot of all time. But it was a great choice for them. Well, yeah, so the Flyers have been around since 1960s, but Gritty is like a couple years old, and his origin story on the Flyers' website claims that he has been hiding for an unknown amount of time inside their arena, feasting on snow and leftover hot dogs. So Sounds like the life. And why is his name Gritty? I don't know. I I feel like, because you got grit, kid, I don't actually know. Some mascots are just very random and don't have much to do with the team at all, but I like that. Mm -hmm. Um... I feel like it makes it fun. We're going to talk about how mascots should be fun and uh, like just briefly touch on how mascots should be fun and not like horrible and making fun of people's culture. So, oh, yes, yes. (laughs) So Gritty was on The Tonight Show. He's been interviewed in Sports Illustrated and he has like the alt-right tried to take him to be like a, you know, spokesperson for them. But then he's also been seen on left side. So he's kind of, you know. He's all over the place. All over the place. But how did we get to mascots? I'm mostly going to talk about mascots in sports mascots mm-hmm. um and it's mostly an, an american thing where at least it started in america okay so the idea of or the word mascot probably comes from a popular french opera in the 1880s called la Mes- mascotte mascotte i don't know okay it's mascot in french so the opera um is about a farmer who's having bad luck with bad luck with his crops and he's visited by a girl called Bettina who is like a good luck charm for him and he makes every she makes everything in his life good again and his crops grow and whatever so the opera eventually came to the U.S. and it was translated to the mascot and so the word became associated with this like good luck charm or luck okay so it might not surprise you that mascots started off as like a baseball thing because baseball is extremely like superstitious and weird and very like ritualistic. Yeah. Um, The first record of a lucky mascot started in the 1800s when a little boy named Chick, but spelled like Chic, C-H-I-C, 
who carried bats and ran errands for baseball players, became known as the team's good luck charm. According to an 1883 issue of the Sporting Life magazine, said, quote, the players pinned their faith to Chick's luck-bringing qualities. So that's like the first written record of a team having a mascot. Um, But in the early days of baseball, it was common that like if a player noticed a kid smiling at him right before he, you know, hit a ball and made it onto base, he might give that kid free tickets to come to the next game because he's saying like, oh, that kid, I need to like recreate that again because that's good luck for me. Mm -hmm. Basically, anyone who was around during a good streak could be claimed for good luck. So, for example, Harvard had John the Orange Man, which was a bearded man who sold fruit during games. And then Yale, of course, claims to have the first animal mascot because they had Handsome Dan, a bulldog that was walked onto the field before games. And Mm. he still exists today. And it's a real dog. Okay. Um, In 1944, Joe DiMaggio hit a home run during an exhibition game, which if you're like me and you didn't know what an exhibition game is, (laughs) it's a fake game that just to show off. Okay, whatever. (laughs) Yeah, Um, because I was like, wait, this happened in an actual game? But no, it was just an exhibition game. So Joe DiMaggio hits a home run, and then the pitcher, Max Patkin, like chased him around the bases, kind of like, not like mocking him, but just like being funny. Okay. Um, And the audience like went wild for this. So (laughs) when Patkin retired from baseball, the Cleveland Indians hired him to entertain crowds at games, and he was dubbed the Clown Prince of Baseball. So this is like the beginning of like hired entertainment to happen at baseball games. Okay. So he potentially might have been like the first paid mascot and his, he didn't wear a mascot costume, but he wore like a really loose baseball uniform and a sideways hat. Okay. And then in 1974, a San Diego radio station called KGBFM hired Ted Giannolis, a college student to wear a chicken suit and do promotion for the station at Padres games. And the Padres at the time were a bad team. I don't know if they still are. But people started caring more about this college kid in the chicken suit. And so pretty soon they like forgot he was even there to promote the radio station. The radio station fired him. But he kept showing up to games in a chicken suit. And that's why there is the San Diego chicken. Oh. Just because of this one kid. That's okay. That's thing in San Diego. This reminds me of, I feel like in a trivia game that, we put together we were like you had to put oh no was it maybe it's a trivia game at the globe mm-hmm. where you had to guess the mascot to the baseball team mm-hmm. anyway it's a lot of fun yeah and sometimes it is like something totally random like that right like a chicken there's nothing to do with the team or yeah where it is or right what they even are exactly so the philadelphia phillies were like okay people like this chicken stuff let's Mm -hmm. update our mascots so at the time the philadelphia phillies mascots were two people named phil and phyllis and they were dressed in (laughs) colonial garb and oh my god philly jesus and they would stand out in the outfield and they would also come out during the national anthem that's basically what they did so i will definitely post the picture of them on our instagram but (laughs) it is like a costume it's more just it's kind of like in shrek when they're there's that guy who's dressed up as Lord Farquaad, but he has, like, the huge head just over his, like, oh. regular person body. Yes, 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 yes. It's kind of like that. They just have, like, huge heads, but then it's, oh, like, little right. real people legs, and they're wearing, like, colonial outfits, but they can't move. Like, the costumes are very stiff. Ah. So that was Phil and Phyllis. They weren't, mm-hmm. like, really, you know, getting the crowd doing going. It. Yeah. Yeah. So the Phillies hired a puppet designer named Bonnie Erickson, and she used to work under Jim Henson. Ah! So if you want to learn more about how Jim Henson had a complete monopoly over the puppet industry, check out episode 22, Feed Your Inner Child or Else. Anyone who ever worked on puppets worked with him. But Bonnie Erickson had created Miss Piggy and the Muppet Show Hecklers, Dollar and Waldorf. So she had quite the resume, but then yeah. she went into... Um, she got hired to make mascots, and it made sense because she also designed the costumes for Sesame Street on Ice. So she uh, she knew how to like make costumes that people could move around in. Okay. Um, and she came up with the Philly fanatic. Fanatic yes. spelled with a ph. Of course, the Philly fanatic yes. was a lot of fun. Trust me, going to those he, baseball games. Yes, and if even if you don't like, I don't know baseball, but I do recognize him. He's like green and hairy, and he has his nose is kind of like a megaphone. Yes. Shape. <laughs> like an inverted cone he's got like a big butt too yes similar to gritty like the butts just kind of move independently like of the body (laughs) well that's part of the design so like he was a groundbreaking design and kind of set the stage for a lot of um Mm. 
mascots to follow. So okay. first of all, he's green, which helps him stand out because the Phillies colors are red. Yes. So it's like sometimes you think, oh, you should make the mascot the same color as the team, but you actually want them to be able to like stand out from the crowds. Right. Um, he has a duck butt and a pear-shaped body, so it makes all his movements comical, and mm-hmm. that's very common. You see that all the time now. Mm-hmm. Um, his eyes are low on his face to make him look childlike, and he even has like a backstory like he's from the Galapagos Islands. Ah, he does kind of like a bird look to him. <laughs> yes, um, he does, like a big bird mm-hmm. type sitch. But the fanatic is goofy and slightly aggressive. He'll rub a bald guy's head or he'll rip the hat off of someone cheering for the wrong team. But he's so cute that he mostly gets away with it. Except for that time, Tommy Lasorda, a coach for LA Dodgers, pummeled him. So you can watch this on YouTube. The fanatic was basically taunting this Lasorda with a dummy Dodger player. Um, Oh my God. He had like written out on like a four wheeler and he had like this dummy Dodger player. Who I don't I feel like the dummy had like kind of a belly. Okay. Sort of does too. And you know how like the coaches wear um, the uniform. The uniform. It's just so yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I yeah. Uh... Lasorda ended up like chasing him down. He like moved the four wheeler off of the um like off of the field. And then he like went to go chase the fanatic. Then fanatic jumped onto the four wheeler and like ran away a little bit with the dummy, but then Lasorda like literally pushed him to the ground and like threw the dummy out of his hands oh my, the drama i know but that's not like the best story of lasorda he has a history of not getting along with mascots so this man has like a very short fuse i'm assuming but okay do you know yuppie so yuppie is bonnie erickson's next design after she okay. the fanatic was such a success um the montreal expos hired her to design their mascot so he's is a big orange like monster creature he a similar body style to Fanatic, the Fanatic. Um, and he's also the first mascot to ever get thrown out of a game. So good for him. <laughs> the Dodgers and the Expos were in a game that went into crazy overtime. And Yuppie did some things that anno- annoyed Lasorda, <laughs> the coach. So there was like a disputed call and an argument on the field. And Lasorda comes back to the Dodger dugout and Yuppie is jumping on top of it. And it's like, you know, the roof is metal. So it's just this really annoying banging sound. And then around the 11th inning, this this game went into like crazy overtime. Oh my God. Around the 11th inning, Yuppie changed into pajamas and then came back <laughs> and, went, and with like a, uh, I don't, first of all, he had pajamas that fit his body, including like a sleeping cap. That means that he, they designed, they had this design, they had it planned. Yes. And then he came back with a pillow and a blanket and he pretended to sleep on top of the Dodgers dugout. That's so cute. Come on. Well, but. If you watch the video, Lasorda is like yelling at him and he's just like standing on the dugout in pajamas. Like, and you know, he has the googly eyes that are moving all over the place. And this old man is like yelling at him like, get this guy out of here. Get him off the dugout. <laughs> so eventually the um- umpire did kick him out and he like threw the the pillow and the blanket and he looked so dejected. His like little head was hanging Aww. low and he was kicked out of the game. And the announcer's like, they're actually kicking Yuppie out of the game. <laughs> the first time i've ever seen this folks so that is a youtube clip worth watching oh my god um but yuppie has other interesting things so the expos became the washington nationals and they adopted a new mascot a bald eagle whatever right everyone was worried about what would happen to yuppie because he was so beloved Mm -hmm. but he ended up getting adopted by the montreal canadians which is a hockey team so the canadians yes sorry which i don't even know what that means like, it's just Canadian spelled with an E? I I have no idea. We've always just called them the Montreal Canadiens. That's probably how you actually pronounce it. I, I was just reading it. But he's <laughs> the first mascot to ever switch sports. So he used to be a baseball mascot. Now he's a hockey mascot. Good for him. But there was something like when a someone important from the Expos, like who used to be on the Expos, he died or something. And Yuppie wore like his that guy's like jersey at the oh. hockey game so like he still is connected to yeah the expos very sweet cute um forbes magazine did a ranking of the top mascots of mlb teams in 2016 and the rankings were based on merchandise sales social media followers and news media hits right social According- media followers is hilarious that these yes. have like social presences but yeah well okay so according to forbes the philly fanatic 
was the number one mascot in all of baseball, and he generates 10% of overall retail sales at Citizens Bank Park. So he's more popular than some of the players, even, yeah. which makes sense because mm-hmm. he's like, you know, the mascots are around forever. Right. Mm-hmm. And imagine but, like being cast into that role. Yeah. Like that the must pressure. be the pressure, the honor. I know. I didn't have time, but like that would be another interest. Maybe one day if it comes up again, I'll do like, how do people even become mascots? Yes. It's probably like very competitive. Yeah. For sure. It's so like, it reminds me of mascots. like Disney auditions for like yeah. the the characters. I wonder if there's like multiple fanatic actors, like if they've got two on staff or for something sure. that rotate. I wonder. Yeah. Um, okay. So th- these are just like some fun facts about mascots. Okay. Um, the Colorado Rockies have a purple triceratops as their mascot. And his name That's is Dinger. Interesting. And you're like, why do they have a dinosaur mascot? There you are the Rockies. Well, that's because when Coors Field was being constructed, workers discovered a bunch of dinosaur fossils. Ah. The biggest one being a seven foot long, 1,000 pound rib of a triceratops. And they briefly considered calling the baseball field Jurassic Park, which <gasps> oh, they should have, but they probably couldn't for copyright. Idiots. Um, but they ended up with just like having the mascot be a triceratops, yeah. which is cute. That is very cute. And then this is some non-sports mascot okay fun fact so this came up in the moon landing episode but snoopy is like associated with nasa's snoopy is kind of nasa's mascot because he's used in like safety stuff okay so if you remember the apollo 10 crew which was like the dress rehearsal for the moon landing Mm -hmm. quote unquote um (laughs) called their command and lunar models charlie brown and snoopy we talked about in the episode that they ended up changing it to the eagle and the columbia when they did the actual moon landing okay um and, you know, we have the famous line, the eagle has landed. Mm-hmm. I feel like it wouldn't have been the same if it was like the Charlie Brown has landed, you know? <laughs> the Snoopy has landed. Yeah. But since 1968, every astronaut wears a silver Snoopy pin when they go into space. And Aww. upon their return, the pins are given as a special token of recognition to the people who work to keep astronauts safe. Oh, So cute. I was looking up like why this happened and I couldn't find too much other than like schultz the guy who does peanuts like worked with nasa in the beginning he like wrote a comic book to generate excitement for going to the moon okay so i don't know it was probably Um, the peanuts were popular and nasa was like we need a marketing campaign yeah but it's still around today just okay such a random connection collab um andrew jackson the seventh president of the united states chose a donkey as his party's mascot because his enemies called him a jackass which I feel like I've heard that before. I don't know like how completely true that is. But. Sure. Um, the real name for the Michelin Man, the mascot for Michelin tires, is Bibendum. What's it? Bibendum. Bibendum. B-I- okay. Yeah. B- or Bibendum. And in case you forgot, that means he's also the mascot of the Michelin star food rating. So yes, Michelin star. It's the same company. So when you go on like the Michelin guide website, the Michelin man is there. And it's so weird to be like, I'm looking at this like three star restaurant and the Michelin (laughs) man is just staring at me. It's like very weird. (laughs) Well, I also never realized this, but he's white because originally tires were gray or white. Gray, white, or light in color. It mm-hmm. wasn't until after 1912 that tires became black when carbon was added as a preservative and strengthening material mm-hmm. to rubber. So that's why he's white. Even the more you know. Tire man. Yeah. yeah. Um, and if you care about mascots, you can visit the Mascot Hall of Fame in Whiting, Indiana, which is just outside of Chicago. What are we doing recording this podcast right now? We have to go to Indiana to go to the Mascot Hall of Fame and also do that like one cemetery. Step yes. Cemetery. Yes. All right, let's plan it. We got to do it. Yeah. A day trip. We'll do it. I don't know how close they are to, together, but we'll I figure like it out. Indiana's close. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to end with just a reminder that mascots should be fun and goofy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and they should never be modeled after indigenous people because that makes oh, no sense. It makes Looking literally no Cleveland sense. Indians. Why? Yeah. I mean, yeah. at the time, people were dumb. Yeah. And they're still dumb. And they're still dumb. Yeah. It's like people are holding on to it because it's like, well, I grew up with this, but don't you feel weird? Like, exactly, exactly. It, especially, it, I don't know. It's just the whole thing is very strange. It's very strange. Yeah, it's the like whole... that would never fly for another. You know, I mean, it probably would, but I feel like people would look at it weirder if it was like any other ethnicity or race as a mascot. Well, yeah, yeah. 
I could go on a rant about that, but I think I'm not going to do it. Yeah. Um, I know. I was like, I can't get into that. But I, it was fun to share, like, fun stories about yeah. mascots. And I in high school, I used to love to watch um, on YouTube. There's, like, mascot bloopers. Oh, yeah. And it's just so entertaining. It's mm-hmm. just, like, the way they move in their costumes. Like, it's just funny no matter what. And they're so, like, yeah. expressive. I feel very proud to be from South Jersey, and South Jersey's teams are the Philly teams. Mm-hmm. We have the Fanatic, PH, mm-hmm. and we've got Gritty. We've got some, some of the best mascots. I don't even know what ours... I mean, I, I don't... I feel like Miami Dolphins, do they have a dolphin mascot? I feel like they do, and it wears like a ref shirt or something. If I'm I mean, like remembering. It's, it's hard to do fish, though, because my high school, our mascot was the Barracudas. And our mascot mm. costume was very strange. I believe it. Our mascot in high school was, we were the Lancers. And so mm-hmm. we actually had someone roll out in a full set of armor on like a, a real horse. Amazing. Yeah. I think the problem with our mascot costume is like there was no body to it. Weird. Barracudas are like really thin and long. Yeah. So, you know, it doesn't make, you can't make them round. So it's just like a person in like a Barracuda onesie. And then they had a really long head. I hate it. Yeah, maybe they've updated it since. I'll have to check up on them. <laughs> Send a quick Instagram DM. Say, hey, can yeah. you have a picture, please? Well, yeah, thank that, you. That's all I got for mascots. I love it. All right, my topic comes from the Friday, June 17th New Yorker by Alex Eaton Salners. 64 across, blank, carrot, fluorescent orange Crayola color. And the answer was neon. Ooh. So I'm talking about Crayola crowns today. <gasps> Oh, that's fun. It's very fun. I had fun with this topic, too. I'm glad we both picked fun topics today. Um, First and foremost, before we hop in, how do you pronounce C-R-A-Y-O-N? Crayon. Crayon? Yeah. I I say crown. Um, Crown? Crown. I thought you were going to say crayon. No, crown. I say crown. That's crazy. Um, You're crazy. You're crazy. Uh, But I... I grew up saying crown, but I've lived in so many different places and met so many different people from so many different places that like I have, I feel like my accent like fluctuates. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I used to grow up saying like my aunt or my aunt so-and-so, but now I go in between saying aunt so-and-so and and aunt so-and-so. I said Mm -hmm. aunt so-and-so when my brother was in town. He's like, aunt, (laughs) what are you saying? And I said, oh, sorry. Um, But crown is one of those things where I go between crown and crayon. So- you may or may not hear both today. Maybe that should be our Twitter poll. Ooh, that's a good one. You if guys will have to follow us on Twitter. Yes, tune in next week as well. Follow us on Twitter and vote and listen next week to figure out who wins. Um, but yes, okay. Before we hop into specifically the Crayola history, we're going to talk about cra- crown history. We're going to take a brief walk down crown history lane. Okay, where did it all begin? So firstly, if you don't know, a crown is a stick of pigmented wax, okay? And it's used for either writing or drawing. Uh, and while the history of crowns is, are like un- uncertain, uh, the word crayon can be dated back to the 16th century in France, which is the 1500s in case you need to know that. Uh, the word originally meant chalk pencil, but the meaning changed to simply mean pencil. And then actually, if you try to say crayon, in French today, which is not how you would pronounce it in French. Uh, the word, it means pencil oh. in contemporary French, modern French. Um, and while the word crown dates back to the 16th century, combining wax with pigment goes back thousands of years. There's a process called encaustic sculpturalization, which uses hot wax combined with pigment to bind color into stone. And this was used by ancient Egyptians, Romans, Greeks, and Filipinos. But that being said, it still wasn't a crown. But people were using wax with pigment from thousands and thousands of years ago. Mm -hmm. Crowns as we know them are likely from somewhere in Europe, where some of the first cylinder-shaped crowns were made with just charcoal and oil. And then pastels also started being made in this shape as well. Um, But this was obviously not made out of wax, so it wasn't what we now know as a crown. Mm -hmm. Wax crowns started popping up in the 1800s when manufacturers realized replacing oil for wax actually strengthened the tool. The Franklin Manufacturing Company was founded in 1876 in Rochester, New York, and they were one of the first companies to make and sell wax crowns. Um, And they actually took their invention 
to the 1883 World's Columbian Exposition and had like an exhibit of crowns there. Okay. Uh, but this brings me to a different company, probably a more prolific or more well-known company. Mm-hmm. Uh, the company is called Binney and Smith Company. They were founded in 1885 in New York City by cousins Edwin Binney and Charles Howard Smith. Binney and Smith Company initially produced products that were colorants for industrial use. And this is where Grace and I have a topic that overlaps in like a very odd but specific way. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Binney and Smith made colorants for industrial use, such as red iron oxide pigments used for barn paint and carbon black chemicals used for making tires black. <gasps> wow. Crazy. Can you believe? Small world. Small world. We were both uh, talking about tires sharing black. I know. As soon as, know. You, as soon as you started talking about it, I was like, why is this coming up on her topic? This is so random. It's like in my topic too. Anyway, so in the 1900s, they also started, the Binney and Smith Company also started making slate school pencils. So they started getting into like writing implements. Uh, Binney also invented the first ever dustless chalk, which the company won a gold medal for at the 1904 St. Louis World's Fair. Um, and then in 1902, the company introduced the stonal marking crown, which was an industrial use crown made of wax to mark like anything in industrial usages like tile. So essentially it was a single color crown. You bought it for industrial use and you would use these crowns to like write on tile, wood, aluminum, anything to like mark size or like mm-hmm. this is for this wall or that wall or this corner or that corner. Okay. So they were starting to make crowns, but not like the crowns we know or use as children. Uh, but then by 1903, the Binney and Smith Company developed a product line of wax crowns sold under the brand name Crayola. Hmm. Okay. Crayola was apparently one of many crown brands produced by Binney and Smith. Other brands produced by the company had names like Sorola, Serata, Durrell, Perma, and Boston, but the Crayola brand proved the most successful. Edwin Binney worked with his wife Alice stead binney to develop the product and it was alice who actually came up with the name crayola she combined the french word for chalk which is cray and the suffix ola which comes from the word elaginous which means oily okay. um to come up with the word crayola and also apparently at this time the suffix ola was really popular for naming products like commercially for instance mm-hmm. granola was first seen in 1886 the pianola came out in 1901 and the victrola came out in 1905 Okay. So Ola, but I don't think like in granola, pianola, and Victrola, Ola meant elaginous as an oily, as it did in the Crayola brand name. Anyway, so Crayola ran two product lines simultaneously in this like initial launch. The first was Crayola gold medal school crowns. And then the second was Rubens, as in like the painter, Rubens Crayola artist crowns. Because when crowns first started coming out in the late 1800s into the early 1900s, they were made for like artists, not for children. Okay, mm-hmm. um, and so they tried mark. They were trying to like market them to artists. So Rubens like to be like connected to like this great artist is like great artists use crowns, whatever. Um, the init- the initial product line offered crown boxes containing six, seven, eight, twelve, fourteen, sixteen, eighteen, twenty four, twenty eight, or thirty different color crowns and five different size crowns. So they, they launched big time, had lots, yeah. lots of products. Um, only two crown, size, cr- crown sizes are in rotation today at Crayola. Uh, there's the standard size, which is three and five eighths inches by five sixteenths inches. Mm-hmm. And then there's the large size, which is four inches by seven and sixteenths inches. Mm-hmm. I remember as a kid, like the regular ones, but I also remember the really thick boy ones that were like, yeah real thick but those were for like babies almost yeah those are used for yeah younger kids they, but they yeah. also have like eggs one like ones that are literally in the shape of balls now yeah i guess they don't count that as like their regular crayon yeah exactly merch. those are more like for easter right yeah or babies easier for them to yeah. hold with their true useless little hands no offense <laughs> their digits okay develop some motor skills yes um some of the initial product run was targeted for artists like i said um, and these crowns were not wrapped in paper. They were just kind of like put in the box and it looked very like artistic. You know, imagine opening like a box of pastels or charcoal. Most mm-hmm. of the time they're not wrapped in paper. 
Um, and then other boxes had crown wrapped in paper with a number printed on the side that corresponded to a number on, like, the lid of the box. And this was the Crayola Gold Medal school crowns. These were the ones marketed towards children. Um, interesting fact, why were these called Crayola Gold Medal school crowns? Any idea? Well? Gold Medal school? I don't know. If you remember from a couple minutes ago, Benny and Smith won gold at the St. Louis World Fair for their dustless chalk. And so, of course, they were like, we're going to incorporate this into our Crayola branding. Mm-hmm. And so they did. And essentially, that it used to actually be like a gold medal on the front of the box. And it has since evolved with time. If you look at a Crayola box, even today, it has like a green back, like background. And then there's like a big gold, like almost like banner on the front. Mm-hmm. You have no idea that it was supposed to be a gold medal. But it evolved from interesting a gold medal into the current branding. So it's still in use today. Mm-hmm. But let's move into the famous Crayola colors. In the initial run, there was approximately 38 colors included. And these colors were spread across the many size boxes that you could buy. For example, the largest assortment of colors came from the number 51 box titled Crayola Young Artist Drawing Crowns, which included 28 different colors. The Rubens number 500 box was a 24 crown assortment box. So each box, they had 38 colors and they kind of interspersed them. You might get some of the same colors in the Ruben box that you would get in the Young Artist box, but some might be exclusive to the Ruben box and some might be exclusive to this box. Mm-hmm. Originally, crown colors uh, used to be associated with known oil paints of the time. This is in line with this idea that they wanted to sell crowns to artists. So artists were using oil paints and they'd be familiar with oil paint names. And so Crayola named their crowns uh, after these oil paints so that you could have something that was like comparable. Mm-hmm. For example, here are some of the names from the original Crayola run. One, English Vermilion. Two, Matter Lake. Mm. Three, Permanent Geranium Lake. Four, Ultramarine Blue. And five, Celestial Blue. Some pretty cool names, right? Yeah. Uh, Over time, simpler names were preferred, and several of the original colors were discontinued in 1910. These were Light and Dark Venetian Red, Permanent Geranium Lake, Celestial Blue, Raw Sienna, and Charcoal Gray. All of these were retired. Why does Raw Sienna still sound so familiar to me? Because there is Burnt Sienna. Oh, right, right, right. But yes, Raw Sienna, whatever the difference is, was is no longer. Did not make the cut. It didn't make the cut. In 1926, Benny and Smith made an important acquisition of the Munsell Color Company. They also produced crowns, but more importantly, the Munsell Color Company uh, was based off of the Munsell Color System, which was developed by Albert Henry Munsell. And for any artists that are listening or anybody who's into color theory, they would know about Munsell and his color theory. It's like the basis of like color theory taught at schools for industrial use, for crowns, mm-hmm. in art supplies, everything. Um, but I don't really understand exactly what I'm about to explain to you. Just bear with me. I'm going to try and talk to you a little bit about why it was important for Crayola to buy this company and start using real color theory when making their crowns, because before then they were just like throwing pigment together. Remember, they were just Mm -hmm. doing industrial use color stuff, and now they're trying to get into like the art game. Mm-hmm. So they purchased this company. Uh, and Munsell Color Theory is based on a three-dimensional di- model in which each color is comprised of three attributes. Okay, so the first attribute of every color is the hue. And this is the literal color. So it's yellow, red, orange. When you look at something, you're like, oh, that's yellow. That's red. That's orange. But every color is different. You can have many different shades of yellow, many different shades of orange, right? So the two things that differentiate the color, one color from another are the value and the chroma. The value is the lightness or darkness of a color. So how light is that yellow? How dark is that yellow? And then the chroma is the saturation or brilliance of the color. So how saturated is the yellow and how or how dull is the yellow? Okay. Mm -hmm. And so now Crayola was working off of a color wheel designing their color scheme. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was a huge update to how they design their colors, process their colors, and release their colors. Um. The Munsell Color Theory, like I said, is still in use pretty much everywhere today. So it's a pretty big deal that Crayola bought this company. Anyway, the acquisition of these colors marked the first time Crayola was using a color wheel concept. Uh, And in 1930, Benny and Smith began releasing the Munsell Crayola boxes. The box included six principal hues, red, orange, yellow, green, 
blue, and violet, and then six intermediate hues, something like one would be red-orange, another would be Mm -hmm. yellow-orange, for instance. Um, And this made for a color wheel of 12. And then they completed the box by including black, neutral gray, white, and brown. And the whole box had 16 crowns in it total. Some of the color names available in the Munsell Crayola box were Maximum Green Yellow, Middle Blue, or Middle Red Purple. Uh, uh, Crayola discontinued the Munsell Crayola box in 1935, but they continued producing the colors through 44. And while the Munsell colors weren't produced again after 44, the concept of the color wheel uh, is still in use at Crayola today. By 1948, the number of colors produced by Crayola was now 48, um, and you could get all 48 in the number 48 box. Some of the color names available in the number 48 box were Burnt Sienna. That's when Burnt Mm -hmm. Sienna comes in. Brilliant Rose, Prussian Blue, and Light Turquoise Blue. Hmm. That brings us all the way up to 1958 and the introduction of the famous Crayola number 64, Binny and Smith's largest regular assortment box for more than 30 years. The box featured the last major color changes to Crayola uh, before the 1990s when they started changing things up like crazy. Um, I'm, I'm sure most of our listeners are familiar with the number 64. It's got the iconic flip top, right? You have if six. You had that in school. You were you like. You were a god. Yeah. Truly. Okay. And you have four rows of 16, and they're like each set a little higher than the other for easy access. And most importantly, you have the crown sharpener in the back in the back yes okay that's huge amazing um and although a few of the colors from the number 48 box were discontinued at the time most were retained for the 64 box um sometimes with different names and several new crowns were added to the assortment some new colors in the number 64 were brick red indian red we'll come back to that one Mm -hmm. bittersweet cornflower Cadet Blue, Periwinkle, and Apricot. So some of those famous mm-hmm. Crayola colors were introduced for the 64. Um, colors that got different names with this update. So they were the same color, but they just got name changes. Mm-hmm. Um, originally called Dark Green in the number 48 box, in the number 64 box, it was now called Forest Green, which was my mm-hmm. absolute favorite Crayola yes. color. Um, originally called Medium Chrome Yellow between... Uh, 1903 and 1910 was called medium yellow in the number 48 was now called goldenrod in the 64 another famous color yeah Um, originally called light turquoise blue in the number 48 was now called aquamarine in the 64 Um, and then originally called rose pink from 1903 to 1958 was now called carnation pink in the 64 box so you got Mm -hmm. some of those classic crayola color names there were no other major changes to the colors up until the 90s. Aside from in 63, the color, which was originally called Flesh, was officially renamed to Peach, which, mm-hmm. according to Crayola, was partially in response to the civil rights movement. So they, they decided to take out any um, like association with skin tone, which well, I thought yeah, was... There's a, you know, yeah. a million different skin tones. Exactly. Um, While no major changes to the colors happened again before the 90s, Crayola did begin releasing their first boxes of specialty crowns in the 70s. So, like, they would release, like, limited edition crown sets. Uh, One was, the very first one was a box of eight fluorescent colors designed to glow under a black light, which is fun. Um, And then in 1980, they released fabric crowns. You could, like, draw on your clothes. Mm -hmm. I bet parents loved that. Um, And that brings us all the way to the 90s, where we see the first major changes to the Crayola crowns in over 30 years. Firstly, eight colors were retired to the Crayola Hall of Fame. These were orange red, maize, orange yellow, lemon yellow, green blue, violet blue, raw umber, and blue gray. Then... I feel like I've seen orange red, or maybe red orange. You might have an older box of crowns. Maybe. My dad, when I was younger, we had like the 64. We had all the different boxes. You know, you just Mm -hmm. acquire them over time, right? My dad had some crowns from his childhood still with that actually had the gold medal on the front. Oh, my gosh. It is so cool. And we would color with them. And yeah, I I didn't know anything about the color names, but looking at those colors. I feel like we had like a cookie tin filled with crayons. Of course, they were like half broken. And I feel like almost none of them had the paper on because we had peeled Mm -hmm. all the paper off. Mm -hmm. And my dog would eat them and then poop. Colorful. But yeah, like I had no idea what we had. They're probably off brand too. 
I feel like I should just buy a, col- a box and just see I know, what I the vibe just, is. I like, want to start coloring. But... I know. Maybe Let's after see. this. Okay. Uh, so they retired those eight colors, and then they introduced eight new colors in the 90s. Vivid Tangerine. Dandelion, mm-hmm. which was later retired in 2017. Jungle Green. Teal Blue, which was retired in 2003. Cerulean. Royal Purple. Fuchsia. And Wild Strawberry. How cute. How do they decide? They're like, eh, no one's coloring with cerulean anymore. Exactly. <laughs> I, let me talk to your color scientist. I want to know, like, who is in the room making these decisions. Yeah. Um, they probably do, like, market testing, honestly. On kids. Yeah. yeah. I mean, my brother was in market testing for Mattel. So he would mm-hmm. go and just do toy tests for, like, a whole day. And then he would leave with, like, literally a trash bag full of toys. Ugh, the life. And that's how Dream they made. I know, I know. And that's how that's how they made their choices. They listened to my my little brother, whatever. Um, okay, and then sixteen more new colors were introduced in 1993. I'm going to read those names to you: macaroni and cheese, mm. asparagus, Granny Smith apple, shamrock, tropical rainforest, robin's egg blue. Yes, classic, classic Pacific blue, denim, purple mountains. Majesty, sorry. Wisteria, Charisse or Cerise, Razzmatazz, another classic. Tickle Me Pink, Marvelous, like Mauve, mm-hmm. um, Tumbleweed, and Timberwolf. These 16 new colors were the result of a 1992 initiative. In 1992, Benny and Smith introduced the Crayola number 96 box containing the 64 existing colors as well as a 16 as well as 16 fluorescent crowns and 16 unnamed colors, the wow. names of which were to be chosen in a nationwide contest. And so the 16 names that I just read were the reason why they were named that way. It was a contest. And I remember macaroni and cheese, that color, you know, thinking it was so silly. Yeah. I feel like, but not all of the colors have weird names. Right. Exactly. They don't. Like, aren't some are just like brown? Yeah. Some are just brown. Peach still exists, for example. Um, Colors continue to grow and shift and change with the Crayola crown boxes. Some of my favorite new colors between 1993 and today, though some were only for a limited time edition and others were eventually retired, are as follows. Pink Flamingo. Cute. Banana Mania. How cute. Outer Space. What does Outer Space look like? It is like a dark, it's like a purple. Mm-hmm. Um, pink Sherbert. Fuzzy Wuzzy Brown, which was eventually cute. just shortened to Fuzzy Wuzzy. I thought that was really cute. Mm-hmm. Shadow. What does Shadow look like? Blush. Antique Brass. Mango Tango. Inchworm, which has got to be like a light green, cute. right? Uh, and Magic Mint. Most recently, in 2012, four new colors were introduced. Cray yellow, <laughs> powder blue, cool mint, and oatmeal. Hmm, interesting. Um, I'll pause here to say that you remember uh, Crayola added Indian Red into the 1958 number 64 box. Well, mm-hmm. in 1999, Indian Red was officially renamed to Chestnut. Hmm. I should clarify... That it was apparently named Indian Red after a pigment from India, not after the color of indigenous people's skin, but there was confusion, and so Crayola was like, fuck it, let's just change it. Yeah. Well, good for them. Good for them. Um, And then in 2020, Crayola teamed up with Victor uh, Cassell, who was the former chief chemist at MAC Cosmetics, to develop a 40-color box called Colors of the World, representing 40 unique skin shades. I've seen those. Yeah. Like the skin tone boxes. Yes. Um, and it's really cool. Like, there's tons of different colors. That's cool that they matched with someone who worked at MAC then. I think who so, makes, too. Like, like, skin foundation. Yeah. And he said that, like, growing up, he would try to, like, mix Crayola colors together to get the right skin tone, and nothing ever mm-hmm. worked. And so he was really honored to be able to work on this project with Crayola and come up with this box. And I was like, that's kind of cool. Um, I'm going to end with one fun fact. The average child wears down 720 crowns by their 10th birthday. Yeah. I, d- I never I don't color as much as I used to. When I, I color, I don't cover, color at all. I color sometimes. It's a great activity when you're feeling kind of stressed or like you just need to focus on something else. Uh, I usually color with colored pencils because they're more accurate. And also, yeah. adult coloring books are more detail oriented, so you don't need to cover as much space. Yeah. Usually, I remember like always seeing the back of 
crayons or colored pencils and they have like the little examples of what people draw. Yeah. And I'd be like, I could do that. Yeah. No. Pipe dream. Pipe dream. Although I I think it's one of those things that if you like take classes, you can get a lot better at it. Yeah, I think so too. I just watched a, a TikTok tutorial on how to draw clouds, and now I feel like I could draw a nice cloud. Did you watch it too? I saw it too. Okay. It's like well, the bubbles, right? Yeah. yeah. Should we get together and have a coloring day? We should. I have two coloring books um, and lots of colored pencils, but we should get some crowns. Right. Yeah. The cool. 64 pack. Now the that we're 64. adults, we can buy that for ourselves. I know. How much is it? Like in my mind, it was like $100, and that's why right. it was like so crazy when someone right. had it, but I wonder how like- much they actually are. It's probably like 10 bucks, which was back a lot back then. I feel like it's more expensive than that. Well, well here. Do, do you have why anything don't you, you want to say? I'll look it up. Why don't you look it up? Um, I feel like another poll is like, what's your favorite Crayola color? Or I can run that on Instagram, actually. I can do some. Or color guessing. Oh, that's what I wanted to do. I'm going to do on Instagram. So tune into our Instagram if you're interested. Um, but I'm going to be doing... I'm going to post a color of a crown and I'm going to put some options and you have to guess the name of the, co- the crown. Um, that's just, just something to keep an eye out for. Okay. I'm While excited. Grace figures out how much this, the number 64 right. costs. Is this for real? What? Okay. So apparently the Crayola 64 count assorted crayons is $3.17 at Are Walmart. you kidding me? Is 64 the big one? Number 64 is the 64 box, yeah. It's $10 on Amazon. 120 crayon count is $8 at Target. I thought this stuff was like $40. The way our parents used to have us sweating over these crowns. I could have been like the most (laughs) popular person in kindergarten if I had had a freaking 64 crayon pack. Oh my gosh. Oh my, we we were bamboozled. They were you like, know, you, you I, only need 12 crowns. They would give us the 12 or the 8. I see that. Well, I guess kids do go through it fast. So it's like, I'm not going to buy you. But it's like, that's like, it was probably cheaper back then too. Yeah. I, I see that all the time. Like anytime I'm at CVS. When I was younger, I loved like tiny little toys. Mm-hmm. And I always see them at CVS. I'm like, this stuff is like $3, $4. It would have like made my life as a child. I know. Not saying that my parents weren't very generous. They were. It's not like they like didn't let me have any toys. Right. But you know, it's like you don't always get a toy. I definitely like didn't always get a toy anytime we went to a store or anything. Right. But now I'm like, just throw me a bone. It's like throw $4. Me a that would have been like the... <laughs> but then I get it too, because then kids have too many toys and they don't appreciate... No, I know. I blah blah blah. But I I always buy little little trinkets here and there for myself or Mm -hmm. Matt because I'm like, well, it's just a couple bucks. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, and then I think back and I'm like, do you really need to buy this small thing that literally means nothing just to have it? I'm like, yes, for the what's the serotonin? I need the serotonin. I know. It's like, let me get serotonin from something that doesn't um, like fill up (laughs) landfills. I wish crowns because you use them. Yes. On paper that yeah. then get recycled? I don't know. Uh, we'll figure it out. If you color in it. Well, <laughs> we'll think about that. Um, maybe we'll have an answer by next week. Yes. If you have an answer, you can follow us on Twitter at the Good Eve Girls. Or Instagram at the Good Evening Girls. Or TikTok at the Good Eve Girls. Stop by. Let us know which crown box size you had as a kid were you the cool rich popular kid with the 64 or were you like grace and i and we were like the shabby kids with the barely coming with the eight. right and like sometimes oh the worst is when my mom would buy me the like the dollar store crowns that were just so waxy that didn't actually color <laughs> and i'm like you want me to go to school with these embarrassing. embarrassing you're embarrassing me anyway so stop and by drop us a line let us know um and until then Listeners, please keep curious. Keep coloring, as they say. Uh, Yeah. See you next week. We'll see you next week, folks. Bye. Bye.